So maybe a first question would be, give us a state of just your tribes. Madison has just been designated in December, Truax Field, as the home of F-35A. Doctor, can you start? Give us an overview. In his recent State of the State speech, Governor Tony Evers proclaimed 2021, let me get this right, year of broadband access. He said then that 430,000 Wisconsin residents, or about 14%, lack access to high-speed internet. Recently, 13 school districts, now that's only about 3% of school districts, said when COVID made them, uh, when COVID shut down schools, they could not provide internet access to their students. So it's a very timely issue to talk about broadband and where we go from here. And Wisconsin I wants to thank Brittany Beyer, chair of the governor's task force on uh, broadband access and executive director of Grow North Regional Economic Development Corporation and Dale Knapp, director of Forward Analytics, which is a division of Wisconsin Counties Association. And uh, Forward Anal Analytics just published a report, Broadband in, in Rural Wisconsin. Uh, Brittany, Dale, thank you so much for joining us. Glad to be thank here. Thank you for well, inviting us. Well, I really appreciate it. Is there any more timely issue <laughs> since the governor promised to spend in his budget that he'll recommend on February 16th nearly $200 million. Um, Let me start with this overview question. Is it time to consider broadband part of our infrastructure just like highways, K-12 schools, electricity, and telephones? Is it? Um, I, I'll go. Um, I think the answer is yes, but I, but I think I think we're we're at least five years late on that. I mean, I think we could have said this, you know, in 2015, 2014. You know, we we knew the direction we were going. You know, in terms of technology um, and this pandemic. You know, with the work from home, the um, the online schooling just really brings that home. I agree, and I like how you caged it as part of the infrastructure uh, uh, spanning K through 12 and roads and electricity. It's not necessarily, it's a part of the fabric of what makes us tick in the 21st century. So it's a, it's a great way of caging it and you have to take care of your infrastructure. Well, infrastructure, K-12 schools, highways are functions of government. Mm -hmm. Whereas telephones and electricity, you know, we had this combination throughout history. So I guess my thought, what, what's the obligation of government, broadly speaking, in terms of finishing the job in broadband access, especially in rural areas? Uh, Brittany, you want to go first, please? Sure. This is one thing that the task force is definitely grappling with. Um, a part of what we're dealing with is federal decisions that are falling down onto the states and then localities. Um, with that example of water and electricity and telephones, there were great, um, you know, decisions about how it, it, access was going to be made for everyone. And there were some really strong decisions inside of that. We're living in a different time. And part of the uh, the task of any state um, that is tackling broadband right now, and I can, I can tell you by many conversations with other states, they're all dealing with the same issue, that, that who is responsible for what 
And it really means that uh, our state and other states are trying to define how they're going to set up their plan for making sure that access is, is it's essential and we want to make sure that everyone has it. Dale, before you joined Forward Analytics, you had a long distinguished career at Wisconsin Taxpayer Association. So you've been watching public policy. Your thoughts on the role of government in terms of finishing the job in terms of broadband access, please? Yeah, well, you know, when, when you think of, of, of public infrastructure, you know, oftentimes it's, um, you know, it, it's things that, that for incentive reasons, for, for a variety of reasons, private sector won't do, or there's not an incentive to do. Um, and so this is, this is a little tricky in that, you know, much of the infrastructure has already been put in by private businesses. And so we, we want to tread lightly here, but um, again, because, you know, we really need to be thinking about universal access, not just getting to 90% or, or something like that. We need to be thinking about, about getting to universal access. There are um, um, areas that at this point, it's just not profitable. There's no incentive for the private sector to go in and lay that infrastructure. And so that's where I think you know, the, the, it, it is the government's um, responsibility um, because, it, you know, it, it is becoming so important. It's the government's responsibility to help fill that need, if not, you know, fill that need. Um, Are you uh, referring to, uh, it was either your report or the UW Extension report, which we'll talk about, that said the last mile fiber yeah. can cost between 60000 and and 100000 per mile? Yeah. That number astonished me, but maybe I'm too yeah. naive. Um, yeah, that's, that, yeah. 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 Well, but I mean, you, you look at look at some of the the terrain that that we're dealing with, you know, in some areas. Um, you know, it's it's not conducive to laying that kind of of fiber. So, um, it, you know, it does become very costly. And then, you know, you 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 know, pile on that, and you have you know one or two households per square mile, maybe in in some of these places. Um, so it's just it you know it it's not economically feasible for these private companies to to go in there. Brittany, you were going to say on that 60,000 to 100,000 estimate? Right. And I think uh, the cost of laying fiber is why we haven't seen it go door to door in, in many cases. Uh, we're, we're thinking with the task force about how to be a little bit more creative with the end user. You know, so is it fiber to fixed wireless? Is it going to be, you know, uh, uh, SpaceX and the low orbiting um, satellites that are going to be coming in. We we need to make sure that we're making decisions that are getting to the end user. And, you know, that uh, in many cases, which is very interesting, it's not just the last mile, it's the last football field. And so you have uh, people on one side who are close to the fiber connection, and then there are households that are very close but can't make the case for that provider to do the extension. And we we need to have a strategy around that that connection. Okay, thank you. Um, I, I, I want to show now a graphic from the UW Extension's recent report on uh, broadband, and it's titled Households Without Internet Access. And so let's put that up right now. And um, you all have seen that. You're familiar with that. Um, talk to me about that. Um, obviously, the darker shades are the parts of Wisconsin that are worse off for internet, but just your general impressions from, from from that chart from the UW Extension report, please. 
I, I I like to look at that map and think about, um, you know, so where is that map coming from first off? So the FCC maps are, um, are good, um, but they're missing some of the details. So the granular information um, we're still looking for and, and we're trying to figure out how to get to that point. Um, I It's when I first started in this capacity as the chair of the task force on broadband, I was astounded at so many of the phone calls that I personally was receiving in the emails from people who were less than an hour outside of Milwaukee and Madison who had no access as well. So when we're talking about the rural makeup of this state, it really crosses every single part of the state. It's not just put into one place. I live in the north. We moved here knowing that we would have to be really contending with that one factor, and we were lucky where we landed. Um, but you know, that's that's part of the story. It's closer than you think. Okay, uh, Dale, your uh, report also included some maps, but your thoughts on the UW extension map in terms of um, uh, households without uh, internet access, please. Yeah, you know, and, and, I, and I like what, what they did, you know, trying to combine the FCC data with household survey data um, to try to, to fill in some of the gaps. But even even with that, there are, are some gaps. And, you know, as Brittany said, the, you know, the, the rural nature of this really stands out. But I think um, one of the things that, that this map really highlights, if, if you focus in a little bit on Milwaukee County, um, you know, you would think an urban area, they've got, you know, 25 megabyte everywhere. Um, and maybe they do. Um, but at the same time, there's affordability problems. Yes. Um, and so, you know, it's not just, it, it's not just getting access of making it available, but it's also making it affordable. And I think that's something that sometimes gets a little bit lost. Right. In fact, uh, uh, the UW Extension Report talks about income maybe even as big an issue as geography in Wisconsin that kind of goes uh, 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 yeah. goes along with the point you were just making yeah. well l- l- let's take a look at at um, one more quote from the um, UW extension and, and then I'll ask you both to, to elaborate on it. it's only a couple sentences broadband access is closely related to population density and income levels meaning the most rural and the lowest income regions generally have the least access. For example, in urban Wisconsin, more than 95% of households have broadband access, where, whereas in the most rural counties, just 63% have access. Um, that's a pretty sweeping um, continuum, 95% versus 63. Uh, your impressions on that statement, please. Uh, I think the affordability part of the conversation is where you get uh, the cross section um, in both urban and rural environments. I think that's that's absolutely where we have to be thinking about um, connectivity, and and quite frankly, it is uh, a factor. So I I use the Alice report from um, uh, the Alice report. Um, gosh, why am I blanking? Um, at, at, to really understand. Um, Poverty plus asset limited uh, income constrained, you know, it's the working population who's still paycheck to paycheck. And that's a a very large percentage. Uh, If you're talking about access for your students, your kids to to do schoolwork, to run your business, and it's coming up into, you know, especially in rural communities, if you're on satellite, $200 a month. And you're you're really constrained. Uh, that makes a 
big difference in your quality of life. So it is absolutely an issue that we have to be thinking about. And there's creative solutions that are emerging from other states using some voucher systems related to free and reduced lunch to kind of target those populations and lift them up so that the the, the providers understand where those pockets are and can do some of the matchmaking. Uh, the DPI is definitely doing a lot of work on that already, uh, but I think there's more we can do. Okay, Dale, your thought on that quote from uh, Extension? Yeah, you know, I, you know, I agree. I think income, you know, is it's something that that we don't talk about enough, and you know, and and that's one of the, the you know, it's sort of a second challenge, you know, in terms of of getting rural access. You know, you go to some of these rural farm communities, um, incomes aren't terribly high, and so when you're thinking about um, putting in fiber or getting giving them access and because of costs you only have one out of three families taking it up because they they can't afford it um that becomes another problem so even even once you get the infrastructure the whoever's putting that in it's got to be affordable enough that you get a high enough take-up rate and so um you know that 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 just feeds into this this challenge and i think it goes that goes back to why um, you know state government, local governments need to be involved to some degree um, in solving this problem? I want to stay on the access, and Dale, I, I want to lift something from uh, your uh, forward analytics report, and 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 we're going to show a graphic of this. Um, your report says in Richland County, only thirty-five percent of households had broadband speeds of twenty-five uh, megabytes available making it the county most in need of greater access to broadband for rural residents and service upgrades. But in the same paragraph, you say uh, Jackson, uh, Marinette, Forrest, Douglas have uh, also fared poorly. Now, when I look at the extension report, they add other counties like Price, Rusk, and Ashland. So, um, Dale, that's from your report. Uh, Richland County, worst off. Is that a function of terrain because they're part of the Driftless region, sir? You know, I, I I'm not sure what what the you know what the the reasons. There, there's a variety of reasons in, in each of these counties for, um, you know, for that um, um, lack of access. You know, for for that one of the things we did is, is we didn't just look at the um, 25 megabyte and above because you know we looked at at also you know if you only have 35 percent at 25, but you have you know, the rest of your population right now has access to 10 to 25 megabyte. Yes. That's not ideal, but it's better than, you know, having, um, you know, only, you know, 10% at that level. So we looked at, at sort of all of the, the speed ranges and, you know, when, when you get to a county like, like Richland, you know, their percentage, even at 10 is, is relatively low. So, you know, they don't even have access to something that would be, you know, might be, okay for a single user. See, and one of the problems that you get with a lot of these um, numbers is once you start getting into multiple users um, on the line, um, then you, you definitely need the, the 25. If it's just a single user, you can get by with a lot of times with the 10. Um, you know, so, um, you know, that, that was one of, of Richardson County's big challenges is, is that, you know, they don't even have the 10 megabyte um, infrastructure. Well, you do say in your report that the access levels in rural areas of 10 megabytes 
is 93.6% in rural areas, which is above the national average of 91.3%. So you, 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 you do note that. Yeah. yeah. But the, both reports, yours and the extension, say that the standard is now 25 it megabytes is. and it's growing every day. It's growing. Correct? Correct, Brittany? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, You know, so we're, you know, the RDOF uh, program just was launched by the FCC, and most of what was won in the reverse auction in Wisconsin was at the gigabit level. And uh, so we're we're looking at the future, and it's great that the the FCC was there as well. Um, I'm not going to say that, you know, the the horizon on that program is fairly long, so it's not going to solve our problems tomorrow. But what I want to also point out from the list of counties, um, Forest County is in my economic development region. And in the past year, um, economic development really took the lead and got all of the municipalities on the same page and did a great job of convening everyone and, and developing a countywide strategy for their their implementation of the answer to their access issues. And they were through doing diligent work and having their University of Wisconsin Extension officers present on helping and bringing their expertise, they were able to secure their first grant last year in the last bu- budget. Um, and the, the last, um, the grant program that just closed, I can't remember if they did a secondary um, grant for that, but that's, that municipality and economic development uh, working together, that example is perhaps one of the ways that we're going to solve this issue. Uh, you, We just saw WEDC and PSE work together on a technical assistance program geared towards broadband and working with a couple of different communities, six in the state actually, to see if that model is going to work. And we're waiting to hear a little bit more about what happened. Um, but that is a strategy that's working in other states and um, actually is something that was happening in the past and we're hoping to bring back to life. Thank you. I just want to dwell once more on one, just one last quote from the UW Extension report. Broadband is linked to better business performance, including rural entrepreneurship and farm profits. It is also linked to higher home values, higher educational outcomes. Broadband also corresponds to improved health outcomes. I found this so fascinating. I found this in the, the university report. The inability to FaceTime Skype or Zoom with friends and family while isolated can lead to higher rates of mental stress. Such stress can, in turn, compound other health issues. This gets us to the COVID-19 and broadband. So uh, please talk to me about the impact of COVID on the uh, broadband divide in the state of Wisconsin. I'll just lift up some great examples from the Northwoods, which is where I live. Um, Vilas County is really looking at the fact that they would be a bastion for remote workers if they had really great broadband access. There are absolutely places that they have phenomenal broadband up there. Um, but we're, we're, we know that that is a way that um, our communities could grow up here and we can actually 
add to the vibrancy of what's going on here. In fact, uh, that definitely did happen. We had a lot of second homeowners choose to stay up in the area. Um, uh, there are a couple school districts that have higher enrollment rates of students. So some of some of what COVID has done is really shown a light on the advantages of rural living. Um, but especially with thinking about telemedicine, there are lots of gaps inside of the system. And you know the, the inability to connect and the isolation definitely has its issues, compounding what we already have with some thin healthcare um, services in rural communities. Um, so they're, they're, they're working diligently to work around that, but um, ubiquitous access to good quality broadband and doing good telemedicine is going to be the future. We know that it is. That's the, the genie is out of the bottle. That's how we're moving. And we need to be aware that this is how we, we need to give access to all of, all, all, all of those resources to everyone. Impact on health and also impact on K-12s. Dale, reading from your report, school districts with fewer than 500 students, one half reported Problems with, uh, in, problems with internet, 28% of students in those small districts um, had no broadband access at home. So the impact compounded by COVID on learning in those smaller districts, sir? Yeah, and it, you know, it, it's going to have a, a long-term impact. But you know, one, I think one of the things that, that COVID did um, was really um, highlight some of the um, the the uh, flaws in you know in our, in our system sort of you know rural districts rural school districts have had declining enrollment since the late 1990s um, and 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 we're you know we we don't know where rural education is, is headed because again it, it's becoming almost economically infeasible because of such the, the really small school populations in the large geographies and, and we've known for a long time that that um, online learning was going to be part of the solution. Um, this really highlights that we have a long way to go to, to get there. Um, and the same thing is, is with medicine, you know, access to um, doctors in, in rural areas sometimes can be challenging and telemedicine um, is a way to, to minimize that to a great degree. And again, the, the, the pandemic has really highlighted where we have um, big gaps in, in that system that really need to be fixed. Well, there's two other subjects I, I, I want to cover uh, quickly. I, I, I do want to re respect your time. And first one is this. I went back and read uh, state, of state, state of the State and Budget Messages from Governor Scott Walker, and both refer to broadband and the need to improve it. So here's my question. What improvements have we made in Wisconsin in the last seven or eight years? Uh, significant, incremental, or um, how, how, has it, how, how significantly has it improved in recent years? Well, it, it, it's improved, but not fast enough. Um, Thank you. you know, it, it's, it's one of the, you know, and, and it's not just Wisconsin, it, it's, it's, it's really all over the country. Um, big issues like this oftentimes were, we we know those issues are out there, but but we're, we're oftentimes late at addressing them, and it's and it's only when when it gets to crisis time that that we address them. And I think this is is one of those. And and so we've 
you know, we, we've worked incrementally to improve. Um, but this, you know, is really showing us the huge gaps that, that are out there. And it, it really brought the future home to us now. What, you know, this, that, that, and that, that where we need to get to um, really, it, 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 it brought it home. And I, and I think that's, I think that's one of the very, very few good things that came out of this pandemic. Brittany, um, Dale used the term huge gaps. Um, have those, do you accept that term? And have we closed any of those gaps in recent years, ma'am? I think uh, uh, to kind of follow what Dale is saying, you know, we've done incremental development, but this is a complex problem that is really unwieldy. Um, and so, uh, you the way that I've heard it from from a couple of different experts inside the field in the state is that uh, we've solved the, the, the baseline problem, but now we have to use a scalpel to do the, the real work to do with the finishing touches. And what I'd like to say about that is the person who's uh, handling the scalpel needs to have a lot of know-how and really making good decisions and be practiced and patient and deliberate. And that just tells me that we need to have a strategy that is um, that can stand up to the problem. And right now, that's what we're working on with the task force and, and really re recommending uh, that we have that robust, um, that decision-making power to help make these, these communities come back to life because they're, they're going to have access to broadband and they can plan for a future which right now, if you don't have broadband, how can you do much expansion? There's plenty of stories about that um, in economic development, in, you know, in communities, just in general. They can't attract people if they don't have good broadband. And that's, that's where we need to be a partner inside of this. Well, thank you for the perfect segue to my last topic. In, in his State of the State, the governor said, let me quote, uh, my budget, which he will present February 16th, will include nearly $200 million for, to expand broadband access. And he, he also said that is five times the amount for uh, broadband in the budgets of 2013, 2015, and 2017. So here's my question, and we'll start with Brittany. Is the task force going to come up with recommendations in terms of using potentially 200 million, because the governor has put that out there, that he will include in his budget? And can you give us a hint of some potential ways to use the 200 million? Well, I'll tell you what I'm finding in other states and where we're really looking at those comparatives and, and making suggestions that work inside of the Wisconsin example. Um, we have not in, in Wisconsin at this point used a pocket, pocket of that grant funding to uh, to match what is needed for federal grants. And so giving that leverage points with that pocket of money is something that could do some really great impact work. Um, I would also say that um, to the point about municipalities being at the table and making decisions, uh, there are other states that have uh, a section of that granting dollars to, uh, it's available to communities as a 50-50 match, one-to-one -one match really, uh, to um, do planning work. And, you know, uh, we talk about access, affordability, and adoptability too. Creating programs with partners to make sure that once you have access, that you have the equipment and you have the training to, um, to really use it proficiently. 
Um, and so there are some ways to really shape those dollars um, and, and knowing the big picture of where to strategically use those dollars um, because of having a good understanding of the map, um, that's where we could really um, make some impact. Just a follow-up question to Brittany before I get to Dale. Thanks for your patience, Dale. The UW Extension Report talks about the limits on local governments. They have to ask private companies first. They can only do so little. Yeah. Is a task force likely to recommend giving these smaller local governments more authority to deal to to um, be a partner in expanding broadband? We're going to be looking at some of the legislative policy that needs some shifting and reworking. Uh, absolutely, there are some some roadblocks, but I think there's also uh, a couple of unique ways that we can get things going. Again, it's how you stipulate inside of the grant. Um, again, another state has a, a, a way of having um, every grant Yes, you have to have a provider, but the provider has to really be working with the local community and have a sign-off on that grant at a, the state level. That's not something we definitely have here, and it changes the the um, the ownership on the local level, um, which could be very beneficial. So there, there's a couple of other areas, including co-ops and electric utilities moving into the space. Um, you know, those are those are end user solutions for rural communities because they would have that interest. We'll be looking at that. Um, and there, other states are taking pathways. We'll see what works best for Wisconsin. Dale, thanks for your patience. Your thoughts on potential uses of the uh, nearly 200 million that the governor says he's going to load or recommend as part of his budget, sir? Yeah, I think there's a, a couple points here. I think one, you know, we, we obviously we have limited resources for, for all of these things. Um, and so we do want to make sure that, um, you know, we, we use these dollars, um, you know, judiciously and target the, you know, the right places. And so that's where I think, um, you know, looking, you know, at, at using some of those dollars to, um, access federal money, you know, to, to double up on it. Um, you know, that makes so much sense. But we, but again, going back to one of the things Brittany said, you know, talking about planning, I think um, we have to make sure that, um, you know, counties, whether it's counties, whether it's groups of municipalities, whatever it is, should be working together at now and, and planning this and, and, and putting together a plan um, a workable, a feasible plan to use these dollars. Um, you know, that, that actually, you know, that, that should have been done um, prior to this, but, but if they're not, you know, and so we, we want to make sure that the money goes to places that have a plan in place, a, a feasible plan, a plan that's going to um, get the most bang for the buck. Um, you know, and, and so I think um, it, it'll be interesting to see sort of how this all, all rolls out. But I think, um, you know, we want to make sure that it, that it's targeted, you know, in the right um, places. Well, Brittany, you use, it, you use the term vouchers. Is that something mm -hmm. the task force is looking at? And the vouchers would go to who? Uh, in the example that I, I raised, it is uh, from an, a different state that has a voucher program that matches the families that have um, low and reduced lunches to also having a voucher for um, internet usage for educational capacities. Um, and and that that is a voucher system. That's just an example. Um, you know, there's we have a lifeline program. 
Um, do we do some augmentation to the state level um, match inside of, uh, of the federal lifeline program? Um, I'm not necessarily sure. You know, we're, we're as the task force, we're just getting to the point where we're putting all of the recommendations on the table and we'll do start doing the editing. Um, but in my research and running around and having lovely conversations with people all over the country, um, and it's all virtual right now, of course, um, but uh, those are some of the ways that other communities are finding ways of, uh, of approaching the problem. And let's just be honest, the pocket of uh, students that had those voucher needs probably needed to have build out and the providers uh, saw that they could at least have a certain amount of capacity coming in to make it feasible for them to do the work. And they were good partners and they did the build out. And that's where we wanna see some of these unique um, solutions be using our dollars wisely uh, and be partners inside of the, the public and private sectors. The task force will be making its recommendations in time for the governor's uh, potentially to include in his February 16th budget, correct? Uh, the the full report is not due until June, oh, right? Okay. So, and this is the first year of the the task force. I'll just um, just for example, Minnesota has had their task force on broadband running for at least five years, and okay. we just started. So there's there's so much work to be done. Um, so we're just at the beginning of the journey. We'll definitely have it by June, which is where um, we were tasked to do that. Um, but uh, we're already keeping an eye on, on some of those recommendations that are flowing out. Okay, final question quickly. Um, the Richland County parent who now has to drive their child to the uh, parking lot of the library for the child to do the homework, What's your advice to them, Dale? Help is on the way or what? <laughs> I hope help is on the way. Um, you know, because I think this is, this is an issue that cuts across party lines, which is, which is good. You know, there's, um, you know, Democratic districts, Republican districts that have um, this, this issue. So, um, you know, I'm hoping that, that you know, there, there will be a coming together and, and this will um, you know, remain in the budget um, that, that we see signed at the, at the end of, of June. Um, yeah, but I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that, that there is some help on the way. Um, the question is how much and how soon. Same question, Brittany, to uh, the Richland County parent now driving their child to the parking lot of the library. Well, um, help is on the way, but some of this is how, do you know how active your community is, right? So have you talked to your school district and asked um, if they're communicating with the municipality or the county level uh, about what the strategy is for making sure that broadband access is there for everyone? They're at the library. That's, uh, that's an anchor institution. What is that anchor institution doing? Are they at the same table? Um, can that parent become active in the conversation and gather a group of people to start doing that work? Um, I'm a big advocate for uh, active citizenry. And this is one of those things where we're seeing the communities that have uh, uh, committees and collaboratives working on this. They're the ones who are getting prepared to do the matchmaking and, and solve that, these really, really difficult problems. That's really good advice. Well, uh, the governor's pro proclaimed that the uh, year of broadband access, so there's very important issue. I want to thank Brittany Beyer, chair of the governor's task force on broadband access and executive director of uh, Grow North Regional Economic Development Corp. And Dale Knapp, director of Forward Analytics, which is a division of Wisconsin 
Counties Association, his recent report, Broadband in Rural Wisconsin. Fascinating, important discussion. Thank you both so very much. Thank you. Thank you. This program is a production of Wisconsin Eye, an independent, nonpartisan, nonprofit media network with a mission to inform, educate, and engage the citizens of Wisconsin. Wisconsin Eye is the nation's first and only independently funded state civics broadcast network, providing gavel-to-gavel access to government proceedings and events at the state capitol.